With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media. I am Benjamin Wargle, the new Wisconsin football and basketball beat reporter for BadgerBlitz.com and Rivals.com, and your host for this new weekly podcast, which will be around a 30-minute edition covering the latest in Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting. So thank you for making us a part of your day, whether you're listening on your phone, your computer, your tablet, at home, or at work, or in the car. We are happy that you have come to us to fill you in on the latest going on with Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting. Pretty much quiet time now for football and recruiting, so we're going to focus on basketball today. And if we would have told you a month ago that our entire podcast was going to be on Wisconsin basketball, you probably would have turned us off by now. Because, face it, Wisconsin basketball wasn't very good. They're losing at Rutgers. They lost to Richmond and New Mexico in a preseason tournament. They were young. They were sloppy. They were getting out-muscled by teams like Rutgers on the road, a team Wisconsin still hasn't beaten in a true road game since joining the Big Ten. People were calling for Greg Gard to be fired. They thought that Badger basketball is going back to the 1980s where they'll be wallowing in self-pity around 500 year in and year out. But a month later, times have changed, as they usually do with Wisconsin basketball as the season goes on. The Badgers have gotten better, and they've gotten better results. They've won at Tennessee. They won at Ohio State. They won at Penn State, and now they have probably, I would say, their biggest win of the season, another gritty, not pretty victory over number 17 Maryland at the Kohl Center. And we're going to relive that with some audio from Brad Davison, Greg Gard, uh, a very controversial decision in the game of not playing Micah Potter, who's turned out to be one of your better post players. He, Wisconsin didn't play Micah Potter for the last 10 and a half minutes on Tuesday. We're going to talk to Kobe King coming up about the victory over Maryland, about the upcoming game against Michigan State on Friday, and a little bit about Kobe's development. Kobe hasn't had it easy over the course of his Wisconsin career. Misses almost all of his freshman year uh, with an injury. Spent all of last year trying to get back to full strength, and he is starting to really take big strides uh, in his development. He was big against Maryland on Tuesday with some very important minutes. And so that's going to be the goal of the podcast moving forward, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to bring you the latest going on with Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting. We'll be sure to bring in some special guests from time to time. You're just not going to listen to me talk the entire episode every week. You're going to hear from guys like John McNamara, the publisher of BadgerBlitz.com and Recruiting News Breaks. We're going to bring in some former Wisconsin football and basketball players, hopefully, to talk about different things, help break down the current edition of the Wisconsin football and basketball team, and certainly spring football is just on the horizon too, so we'll be doing plenty of previews with that with those as well. And This week's podcast is brought to you by Omax Health. Are you living with chronic pain? Because chronic pain is the worst. I get it all the time, especially in my neck, in my legs, in my back. 
I'm 35, I feel sometimes like I'm 55. It's more than a feeling of discomfort. It can affect your whole life. And many of you know what I'm talking about because many of us have some type of pain that has prevented us from relaxing and sleeping or stop you from exercising, especially during the winter when it's cold and it's freezing out now. Perhaps it's been going on for a few weeks now. This pain hasn't improved with any of the treatments you've tried. Enter Omax Health. Now, if you're looking to get rid of some nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution of cryo-free CBD roll-on, which is developed by Omax Health. Non-prescription, triple action pain relief roll-on. It's specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is, ladies and gentlemen, it's a 100% natural CBD-powered remedy. It works its magic within 10 minutes of application, and the relief lasts up to 8 hours, much longer than most over-the-counter products. Omax Health is offering my listeners, you guys, 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. So just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter the code OVERTIME. That is O-M-A-X health.com and enter OVERTIME to get 20% off cryo-freeze and site-wide. Tuesday night was a huge win for Wisconsin, a game that, as Greg Gard has pointed out, gritty, not pretty. That's kind of been a theme for this team this year. It was their first two-game winning streak in Big Ten play and back-to-back wins over ranked opponents. Three straight ranked opponents Wisconsin has beaten, which has been huge for them as they continue to boost their NCAA tournament uh, resume and continue to stay close in, in the Big Ten, a very jumbled Big Ten that Wisconsin can't really afford to give away games at home like they did a week ago against Illinois. And this game had some similar feel to the Illinois game because Wisconsin was having some struggles defensively against uh, against Maryland's kind of with some ball screens and some different pick and rolls some some things that Illinois exploited a week earlier and Wisconsin had given away a lead Wisconsin led by as many as eight in the first half and then saw Maryland come out like gangbusters at the start of the second half to retake the lead and kind of was nip and tuck from there it got to the point where Mark Turgeon the Maryland head coach said he felt like his team was going to win the game for the majority of the second half And certainly when you saw Brad Davison with less than 30 seconds to go on a broken possession, heave up a prayer three-pointer, trying to draw a foul. They got nothing. Shot clock violation. Ball goes back to Maryland. You just think Wisconsin's in a heap of trouble here. And this kind of goes in with the theme of the final four and a half minutes or so where Wisconsin really improved defensively. And Brad Davison, who has a knack for making these gritty plays that don't always show up in the box score, like the the game against NC State uh, a year ago where he drew, uh, what, five, six charges uh, to help Wisconsin win that game, or the time that he drew an offensive foul on a block underneath the basket to get himself to the free throw line to win the game. These little smart plays that people will criticize him for, you know, not playing the game the right way or how it's supposed to be played, these so-called stewards of the game. But Brad talked about after the game, feeling that the ball was going to go to Anthony Cowan. And Mark Turgeon, Maryland's head coach, pretty much confirmed that, that the play was to go to Cowan, who has been Maryland's best player. He's one of the best point guards in the Big Ten. And Brad sags off Cowan just enough to draw the inbounds pass. Brad cuts off the play, gets a hand on the ball, and flicks it off a Maryland defender to give the ball back to Wisconsin. A smart, aggressive, gritty play 
that doesn't get shown in the box score at the end of the game. It just gets shown as a turnover that was entirely set up by Brad Davison. Here's Brad talking about that post-game. Defensively, we knew we had the possession and the jump ball arrow, so we weren't going to try to follow right away. Um, we were going to try to get a steal. Um, so whether that was after they got the inbounds pass in or if we could get a tip pass. Um, so I was trying to give Cowan a little bit. I, they did a little crisscross and I ended up on Cowan. Um, I knew that's who they wanted to get the ball to, so I tried to give him a little cushion to try to bait him into throwing it. Um, and, you know, it worked out where I was able to get a hand on it. Um, and then I, I hit it a little too hard, so it was going to go out of bounds. I wasn't able to grab it, so kind of my only only opportunity there was um, to try to find a Maryland guy to throw it off of, and luckily Marcel was still standing there from throwing the ball in. So now Wisconsin has the ball back, and you have to wonder who has the clutch gene on this team. You know, you would think it'd be your point guard, but Demetri Trice has been kind of stuck in a, a downward spiral offensively. Uh, Nate Reavers would be an option. Uh, Micah Potter maybe down the road, but he's not in. Uh, Wisconsin decides to go to Brad Davison. And a wonderfully drawn-up play by Greg Gard, a great screen by Nate Reavers, set up this play for Brad Davison to be open in the corner. And Wisconsin didn't have to take the three-point shot. They had 12 seconds left, but Brad, fluid in his delivery, swishes a three-pointer to give Wisconsin a 56-54 lead. Here's Brad talking about that play post-game. Um, Coach had a great play call, um, something that we've ran throughout the year and had a lot of success with. Um, I don't know if it was Nate or Brevin, but someone must have got Marcel pretty good on the screen because uh, he got me. I think, in, me. I think it was Nate. Yeah, Nate said it was Nate. So um, got, a, got a lot of daylight, got a really good look. Um, and you know, those are shots that we drill, whether it's in practice or if I'm in here late nights, early mornings, those are kind of uh, shots that you, know, you dream about and you think about. Um, so to have the opportunity, I'm uh, very thankful for that opportunity and see the ball drop. Um, but most importantly, that's, that's a big win for this team. You know, I think whenever you, can, whenever you can stack two wins in a row in this league, especially this year, um, it goes a long ways and it'll make Friday a uh, really fun game. And it was very fitting that Wisconsin ended the game with great defense. I mentioned Demetri Trice, who had been really struggling, did a great job in Anthony Cowan, kind of forcing Cowan to take a much tougher a three-point shot rather than driving the lane, which was the goal, according to uh, Turgeon after the game, that they wanted to play for overtime. Uh, ball is uh, bounces off the rim, and then uh, Eric Ayala, three-pointer he from the corner comes nowhere close, and Wisconsin gets uh, a huge victory uh, on the season. They've proved 11-6 overall, 4-2 and two in the Big Ten. After that ugly, ugly start, Wisconsin's now won six of their last seven games, and like I said, third consecutive win over a ranked opponent, uh, Ohio State, top five, Penn State, top 20, Maryland now top 20. Uh, first time Wisconsin's done that since the 2015-2016 season. And we've seen a couple things pop up here over the last couple weeks with this team. They've gotten better with ball security. Uh, it's just seven turnovers in this game. It's their third straight outing with single-digit turnovers. Uh, Wisconsin has fewer than 10 turnovers in seven of the last 10 games. Uh, they've spent six and two in those games. But defensively is where you've seen, I think, the marked improvement. I think it kind of was at its worst when Wisconsin was at NC State, uh, didn't play that well uh, defensively or toughness-wise at Rutgers, and they've been significantly better since then, with the exception of maybe the second half against Illinois. Uh, Wisconsin has held an opponent under 60 points for the seventh time this season. It includes three times in Big Ten play. They've won all three of those games. And some of the turnaround is 
also with Micah Potter on the roster. Potter has been playing almost a month now. He has been a huge lift for this team. You look at the game uh, at, at Penn State, where he really was a huge focal point for them offensively, on the glass, defensively as well. And so it got, I think, a little heated on social media when you look at down the stretch, when Wisconsin was struggling offensively, that Micah Potter wasn't in the game. In fact, he didn't play the final 10 minutes and 30 seconds of the game, and I think a lot of fans who were extremely critical of that, and rightfully so, because you look at uh, kind of the dynamic of this team, you look at how the game was going, where you have uh, players who are struggling on the floor, like a Demetri Trice, like an Aleem Ford, uh, who's had some up-and-down moments here recently, that why wouldn't you have Potter, who had 14 points at the time, on the floor at this critical juncture of the basketball game. You go back and you look at the tape, if you choose to do so, and you see that Micah Potter was part of the defensive problem for Wisconsin. Now, he wasn't on the floor the entire time, but just follow me here. In the first 17 possessions of the second half against Merrill, Wisconsin's longest run of consecutive defensive stops was two possessions. The trouble was guarding the ball screens, and this led to one of the most debated points on social media, because Potter... Was, had, was being targeted by Maryland in those ball screen situations and the Terps were taking advantage. Anthony Cowan was driving, picking and popping, finding different guys open. There was lobs at the rim that were open and Maryland was taking advantage and kind of turned the momentum back on their sideline. So with Nate Reavers not in foul trouble, with Jalen Smith having the ability to shoot from the perimeter and Aaron Wiggins finding different ways to get open with a handful of back screens, Guards subbed in Nate Reavers, who's played a lot in the Wisconsin system and understands different terminology and different rotations and has better chemistry with some guys on the team than Micah Potter currently does, onto the floor. And the results kind of speak for themselves. Wisconsin, down the stretch, was much better defensively. Here's from stats guru Nuclear Badger, who some of you know from social media. Wisconsin was 52 points per 100 possessions worse when Potter was on the floor. It's a minuscule number, but so is winning by one possession. Over the final 10 possessions, Wisconsin allowed only five points and saw Reavers break up a couple inside lobs into the paint, and they were more sound defensively because Maryland, who makes a living getting to the foul line, averaging 17.2 made free throws a game, Wisconsin limited them to just 13 attempts and nine makes. Here's head coach Greg Gard explain what was different down the stretch. We were a little bit better in the ball screen, and even we screwed it up late, and that's why I went more with Reavers than Potter um, in the second half from a defensive standpoint. He's got more experience in that situation. There were times we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't jam from the backside, and and Cowan puts you in a pickle. I mean, he's a really good guard that kind of gets you on your heels. And do you switch it? Do you not switch it? You know, Smith's ability to shoot the three, and then if they roll him, and then they're back screening the screener and exiting a shooter out behind it with Wiggins or. Other guys they brought off that in the first half. So you try to string it out the best you can, and if he turns and goes downhill, um, you know, we just did a good enough job. But late we did. They tipped one of them, and then they threw one off the backboard trying to get the, the lob in that little pocket that uh, gets created. So here's here's the thing with, with Greg Gard. A lot of people say that, that Davison bailed him out for making a bad decision, and that's fine. People can think that. But the one thing you can't ignore 
is that Greg Gard has won a lot of games here for the University of Wisconsin over the course of his tenure. Now, granted, yes, he was part of the team that uh, he was the coach of the team that broke their long streak of NCAA tournament appearances. But to be fair, there's a good chance that Bo Ryan probably went to one much of that team a couple years ago with all the injuries they had to deal with and so on and so forth. Greg Gard has won a lot of games here for the University of Wisconsin, a lot of big games for the University of Wisconsin. He's one win away from 50 wins in Big Ten play. Wisconsin has played well against top 25 teams. That was Gard's 16th win over a team ranked in the AP Top 25. And they're getting better. They've gotten better down the stretch. Even the year they didn't make the NCAA tournament a couple years back, they got better down the stretch. So for all those people complaining about Gard, I think you need to find something better to do. I'm a Greg Gard guy. Do I think he's a great coach? No. Do I think he's a very good coach? Yes. And I think now we've started to see it in recruiting, too, that Wisconsin is recruiting better. He's bringing in better talent. And I think the the years of uncertainty with some of his recruiting classes, I think those are going to kind of maybe kind of filter themselves out here over the next couple of years. I think we're seeing Wisconsin basketball turn a corner here over the last several weeks, and that's going to be important when you go into Michigan State on Friday. Again, listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. I want to get to this interview I did with Kobe King um, on Wednesday. And Kobe has been one of those really fascinating players uh, to me. He's, he's one of those, those guys that was very talented early on. He committed very early on and stayed committed through the process, in large part because uh, of Greg Gard and the relationship that he had developed with him, first as when Gard was the associate head coach, then when he was the interim head coach, and then when he became the head coach. And... Kobe has started to finally become that player that I think many of us thought he would be early on. Now, certainly, the, the knee injury uh, took a lot of uh, pep out of his step. He lost uh, the, the two-thirds of his freshman season. Luckily, the injury happened early enough where he could take a medical redshirt. And last year, flashes, certainly, of, of brilliance and success. But you could tell that the injury kind of inhibited, inhibited him a little bit in his development. But that confidence, you can tell now in my opinion, is back for Wisconsin. Here's my interview with Kobe talking about the win against Maryland, talking about his development, and certainly looking ahead to Friday against Michigan State. Brad's going to get a lot of publicity for what he did at the tail end, but it seemed like the last five to ten minutes of the game, you guys really dug in defensively, and that set up everything that kind of happened for you down the stretch. It was kind of the exact opposite of what happened when you guys played Illinois mm. here. How far has your defense come in just the last two games by what we've seen with the way you guys handled Penn State when they kind of punched you in the way that Maryland, the way you guys were handled Maryland when they kind of made their run, they gave you a kind of a good shove? Uh, it's come a long way. I think against Illinois when they kind of went on a run, we didn't really know how to handle it. And then uh, Penn State and Maryland, we kind of knew, I mean, basketball is a game of runs. So when that happens, we just can't we can't break down. we got stick to stick to our principles and not stray from those. And uh, in the end, we know that... Uh, our defense will, will put us in position to win. You guys have a lot of returning guys on this team, but it's still a young team. You only have one senior. Was it hard for this group to maybe, I don't want to say adjust to new roles, but just kind of relearn some things just because you have so many seniors that have graduated that aren't a part of the program anymore. You have to find new roles because there's no Ethan Happ to rely on. There's no Cole Iverson who are going to take up a lot of minutes. Does it just take time to kind of re-enforce those kind of defensive principles that you need to have on a night-in-night-out basis? Yeah, for sure. Defensively and, and offensively as well. I think defensively our principles are all, 
have always been pretty similar, but offensively I think it has been our biggest adjustment just because we played so much through Ethan last year um, and things like that. So I think we're still trying to find our way a little bit on that side of the ball, but uh, defensively I think it didn't take us too long to kind of gel together and and um, like I said, the, the principles have always been the same. So we have guys who have been around for three, four years, even if they're redshirt junior, redshirt sophomore, just junior. So they know they know where they need to be, and I think that helps a lot. Does it help, too, by what you just said, that teams like your guys don't usually push the panic button at any point, even when you know you maybe have a tough weekend in New York or you're, you're struggling on the road? You know that if you kind of continue checking off one, two, three, four, that the results are going to come, and, and that's what they kind of have been here the last two weeks or so? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, just a team like us who's so so good defensively, you're always kind of in games, and uh, you don't really see too many blowouts. I mean, obviously, there's, there's been an occasion over the years, but you're always just putting yourself in position to win, and, and again, just growing over the, throughout the season. In New York, we struggle a little bit, closing out games. Um, even at NC State, we struggle a little bit. Um, I think just kind of learning from those as, as kind of like you said, a younger to medium group uh, has been big for us, and I think we've done a really good job at learning and growing as a group. I have a two-part question. How has your game evolved from where you were at the end of last year to this year, and how has your game evolved from where you were against St. Mary's to where you were against Maryland? Kind of take me through those two kind of different steps in your your career arc here. Uh, from the end of last year to this year, I would say the biggest difference is just health-wise and my knee just trusting it, um, not feeling as much pain in it when I when I'm cutting and doing movements and just kind of getting my my step back. Um, as you see last year, well, I no no dunks last year. I already got a few this year. Just just shows a little bit of how how I was playing and how I was adjusting to that. So it's good to get back to the health that I was and then. I say between St. Mary's, I was I would get a little bit too sped up because again, once you got that step back, I just want to go, 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 kind of put my my foot on the pedal where you see where I would early on get a lot of charges and things like that. So um, I say now against Maryland, just kind of learn how to use it, picking your spots and um, things like that, just just growing and it's been it's been a different last three years, I guess you could say for me, but. Uh, it's definitely been fun. It's been a good life experience. In the last couple of weeks, we've kind of seen it in flashes. We've kind of seen the Kobe King that I think a lot of people saw in high school, the way that you're able to do the step back, yeah. where you're able to do ball fakes and things like that to get guys out of position and then make kind of those fadeaway type shots. Can you feel it now that your confidence is starting to come back because you now have confidence in your body, that your body is going to hold up through this grind of a season? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, just stepping out, waking, even waking up in the morning and walking and just feeling that that knee's going to be all right or just little things that kind of build your confidence and build your mindset and then um, again just being able to get get elevation on the shot and being able to kind of control my body a little bit better I think has been uh, a huge thing for me and again it's kind of how I was in high school where I would shoot a lot of those kind of fadeaways get to the mid-range area and uh, use my athleticism which I think I lacked a little bit last year but uh, I think last year skill skill development was a big thing for me because without having some athleticism you kind of have to develop a little bit more skill so um, I think now I'm kind of trying to put those those two pieces together. How much blessing is the amount of guard depth that you guys have with a healthy Kobe King, a healthy Trevor Anderson, Dimitrik being back in our year, Brad being back, and we can go further down with other guys that can do different things at mm -hmm. the one, two, and even the three. How important has that kind of been here over the course of the last month where you go into tough environments and you pull out these type of wins? It's been huge, um, especially you never know when someone's going to be in foul trouble. Uh, sometimes people are just going to be off, it's not going to be there at night. Uh, it's just basketball, it's just life. So uh, to have that depth, I think, really kind of uh, 
um, will help us in the long run. I think even Micah has helped us a lot um, and depth. And I think going down tournament, looking forward, obviously don't want to look too far forward. I think we'll be uh, a tough team to handle with all the, the threats that we have and all the guys that can come in and kind of uh, help us out. Back to your development for just a second. You obviously had a good relationship with Greg when you came in here, but yeah. it's pretty much a brand new assistant coaching staff. All three former players. How have those three, with, and they're not that old either in terms yeah. of their experience in college, it wasn't too long ago. How have they kind of helped you take their experiences and help formulate different things that you can kind of grasp onto to help develop your game? Yeah, they, they've been great. I mean, just um, Coach O. I know you played at Iowa, but just his knowledge of the game, playing professionally, and, and the tips he's been able to help us out. And I know he works with the point guards a lot specifically. And then uh, Coach Crabb and Coach Tucker, I mean, two guys who, who both played here, have been in, been in our shoes. I mean, they, they've been huge for me, me personally, and I know for a lot of other guys, just kind of being able to talk to them about things. And um, I mean, it's definitely, those are two relationships that I, I haven't taken for granted at all. And, uh, they've helped me get through something, so I definitely appreciate it a lot. What are some of the, what are some of the big challenges that they've helped you get through, you think? Um, I think just knowing that there's going to be ups and downs and there's going to be struggles and there's going to be times when we're frustrated and times where or maybe even coach will, will get on you and get you a little bit upset, but just kind of being able to bring you back down and just letting you know the, the bigger message behind it is that all he's trying to do is make you, make you better. And I think just having those two, um, again, just being able to talk to them, whether it's breaking down film or going through skill work stuff, um, just trying to push me, I think has been, like, like I said, really big for me. Why has Michigan State been so tough for Wisconsin to beat the last couple of years with you on the roster? What, what about them? Obviously, they're always, Tom always has his teams well coached and ready to go with some really good talent. What has been the difference between Michigan State and Wisconsin the last couple meetings that you guys have been able to get over the hump? Um, I think Cassius has been been huge for them. I mean, in just the way that they play, um, kind of where they push early uh, and they kind of get you on your heels and then they get into their offensive stuff. But again, Cash just is so good at picking apart the defenses. And um, we watched a little bit of film today even where uh, he just sees stuff that you don't really see other point guards see too much, whether it's a cross-court pass or, or like a rub screen in transition. So um, I don't think we've done a great job of containing him. Uh, and I think if we can we can do that. I think that'll help us out a lot. But um, again, he's been he's been a great player for him. Is there any direct line that you can link between Anthony Cowan and Cassius Winston? Because Greg has said that these are elite point guards, and you're playing back to back. How similar are their games? Is there anything you can take from Tuesday night that you can apply to Friday? Uh, definitely, just just making making the guys earn it. I think we did a good job on Cowan of doing that, making them kind of hit some tough shots or. We're not bailing him out on drives. We didn't follow him too much when he was shooting a lot of free throws. Um, but I think what makes them also special is how how skilled they are and also how good a passers they are, where they can beat you uh, in two ways at, at an elite level. So, I mean, anytime you guys take that into consideration, I mean, it definitely puts a lot of pressure on the defense because, uh, I mean, you want to get the ball out of their hands, but you don't want them to be picking apart um, the defense, so the other guys getting them clean looks. So uh, we got to kind of find a way to neutralize them. This has always been a confident group, but considering what you guys have done here the last couple of weeks, is it fair to say this is probably the most confident that you guys have been to this point and going into a tough environment? That's got to be a pretty good thing for this team. Yeah, it's definitely a great thing, especially getting those those road wins in the Big Ten one. I mean, obviously we've, we've seen it's been hard, they've been hard to come by on us being able to get one at Ohio State and at Penn State. I think definitely is big for our confidence, especially because we struggled on the road early on. Um, and then with the addition of Micah just kind of helping us out as well, 
and then kind of guys just kind of gelling and finding their role. Um, I think it's been huge, so hopefully we can carry that into East Lansing and come out with one. Again, Wisconsin redshirt sophomore Kobe King. And a couple things with Kobe. Uh, I know a lot of people thought that he'd be a, a better player than what he is right now, but l- look at where he ranks up with other Big Ten players. He's 10th in the league in averaging 15.7 points in conference play. He's ranked second in league contests in field goal percentage. He's 63.1%. He's second overall in Wisconsin in scoring 10.7 a game. He's just one of three Badgers that are over 10 points per game. He's scored in double figures 10 times. He's shooting 50% overall. Uh, He's shooting above 54% on two-point field goal percentages. And then that big win at Ohio State, 13 points and six of seven shooting. So we've seen Kobe, and we've mentioned in the interview, he just looks more dynamic. We've seen flashes. Not consistent all the time, but we've seen flashes of brilliance. Now there's been games, too, where he's been non-existent, where he hasn't scored well, hasn't shot the ball well. But when he's on, and like we've seen recently, he can be a dynamic force for Wisconsin that really adds to that overall guard depth on a team that's really lacking that front court experience. And there will come a time when Wisconsin will play Nate Reavers and Micah Potter at the same time. But when you have a player that can be reliable, like Kobe King is trying to be, that will add just another huge asset to this Wisconsin basketball team. Wrapping up here on the podcast, we're going to look a little bit now at Wisconsin-Michigan State, a series that's kind of like Wisconsin-Ohio State in football. There's not a lot of really good things to latch on to if you're a Wisconsin fan, because Michigan State has been the hump that Wisconsin basketball just can't seem to clear. You look at the recent history of these two teams, Wisconsin hasn't beaten Michigan State since January of 2016. That's a span of seven consecutive losses. Four of those have been by double figures. And if you look at Wisconsin on the road in this series, it's even worse. Wisconsin hasn't won at the Breslin Center since 2004. That was a 68-64 overtime victory. And here's a blast from the past. The leading scorers in that game for Wisconsin were Devin Harris and Mike Wilkinson, 18 points apiece. Third, Clayton Hansen had 13. Zach Morley had 10 rebounds in the game. Uh, Boo Wade scored four points. Freddie Owens scored. Dave Mater had five points. Ray Nixon had three points. Devin Harris played 44 minutes in that overtime game. Michigan State was led by, any guesses? Paul Davis had 25. Chris Hill had 15. No one else for Michigan State had more than seven points. Looks like only six players for Michigan State scored in that game. That just shows how long it's been. Uh, That was Wisconsin's 20th win of the season way back in 2004, March of 2004. So, last 11 meetings in East Lansing have gone to Michigan State. And this Michigan State team is, once again, really good. Uh, You know, Cassius Winston, the point guard, uh, one of the best players in the Big Ten, chose to come back uh, for his senior season. He's averaging 18 points per game, uh, 16 starts. He's... A little bit like Anthony Cowan to a degree, but he's better than Maryland's Anthony Cowan. Uh, He changes speeds. Uh, Winston does. He can go slow and really kind of dissect things, and then all of a sudden he can strike really quick uh, himself. He can, you know, blast to the rim, get to the free throw line, shoot from the perimeter. Uh, Just the total package for Tom Izzo, a typical Tom Izzo player uh, that he seems to get with great regularity. Uh, Junior forward Xavier Tillman uh, is averaging a double-double, 13 and 10. 
this season for the Spartans. So this is going to be an extremely tough test for guys like Nate Reavers and for Potter and uh, even uh, smaller players like in the lean forward. Wisconsin is going to need to throw a lot of bodies um, at this front court for Michigan State, which always plays tough, always plays physical, and especially at the Breslin Center. Michigan State's 8-1 and one at home this season. They've beaten Rutgers in Illinois, uh, number 12 Michigan. They beat uh, Michigan State is going to be well-rested. They haven't played since the weekend where they lost at Purdue. So uh, Michigan State's coming off a loss on top of that. And you know the other Michigan State losses, they lost to Kentucky and Duke. Those were top 10 teams, even though they just lost this past week. Both those teams did. So this will be another tough test for Wisconsin. But you have to feel to a degree that Wisconsin is playing with house money. Um, you look at the net rankings, Wisconsin's 23rd. Uh, that's the fourth toughest schedule in the nation as well. They're ranked 22nd in the Ken Palm rankings. Uh, Badgers, after having such an ugly profile over the course of you know the first couple months of the season, they now have four Quadrant 1 wins, and those are going to be huge uh, when it comes to NCAA tournament time. And now I think you can start to talk about Wisconsin being an NCAA tournament team, what kind of seed they're going to be. You know, that's, you know, that's still a long way to go. But you would think right now that Wisconsin is one of the best 68 teams in the field, which is something you could not say a month ago. Those four Quadrant 1 wins, Maryland, 19th in the, in, the, in the net rankings, Ohio State, 18th, Penn State, 38th, Tennessee, 70th. Only four teams have more Quad 1 wins than Wisconsin. And Wisconsin has tallied three wins over AP Top 25 teams, which is third behind Baylor and Oregon. So Wisconsin quietly putting together a nice profile. And the good thing is there's going to be a lot more opportunities coming up here for Wisconsin earn quality wins. Badgers, by the end of the month, have to go to Iowa. They have to go to Purdue. Um, you're going to have return meetings against Ohio State, uh, against Michigan State coming to the Kohl Center. So you almost feel like Wisconsin's playing with house money to a degree when you're playing against Michigan State because no one's expecting Wisconsin to win. I'm not expecting Wisconsin to win. But this Badger team, after this recent string of success that they've been on playing what's going to be their fourth top 25 team in two weeks, has a chance to just, like I said, go in with house money and perhaps pull off what would be their biggest win of the season. Wouldn't be their highest ranked victory of the season, but certainly would be their biggest because of how much Michigan State has been better than them over the course of the last couple of years. It's just one of those things where you just can't quite put a finger on it, but Michigan State, in part because of the talent they've recruited, have just made those key critical plays late that have afforded them the opportunity to beat Wisconsin. So, 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time tip-off uh, at the Breslin Center, Wisconsin-Michigan State Friday night. And that's going to be probably the game that will, I don't think it will determine a heck of a lot for Wisconsin. I think win or lose, I think they're in a, in a really good spot. The Big Ten is so jumbled this year with uh, going into the game uh, on Tuesday night. The difference between second place and 12th place was one game in the lost standings. Michigan State, in my opinion, is clearly the best team in the Big Ten, and they will probably win the Big Ten. But for Wisconsin to be on the run that they're on, you have to feel a lot better about where this Wisconsin basketball team sits on January 17th, 2020, compared to where they sat on January 1st of 2020. That's just how quickly things can change in what's been a kind of a wild and wacky Big Ten season to this point. 
That is our edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I want to thank John McNamara for giving me the opportunity to host this podcast. Our friends at Overtime Media, especially Justin Hull, who I've known for a long time, who's helping produce this podcast. And for you, for listening and for enjoying uh, what the product that we put forward on the pages of BadgerBlitz.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the Badger Nation, McNamara, McNamara Rivals. You can follow the site, too, at Badger underscore Blitz. Any questions, any comments, any feedback, please direct to us there or certainly on the BadgerBlitz.com forums. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will talk to you soon here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.